Welcome everybody to Nutty Buddy Sports and on today's episode Clint joins me and we talk about the NBA Finals, the NBA Draft, six burning questions and then we do our own mock draft of the first 10 picks, talk about the Bucks offseason and we talk about the Pistons offseason that's coming up right here right now on Nutty Buddy Sports. Welcome back, everybody, to Nutty Buddy Sports. I am your host, Ryan, and on today we are going to have a NBA draft podcast. Uh, before we get into the podcast about the draft, we're going to talk about the finals for a little bit. But before we get into that, I want to introduce who's with me, uh, Clint. Clint is back. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Hot day, but you know the finals are over, so I don't have to worry about the Celtics anymore, and we can move to a new day. That's right. Now, right into the offseason, <laughs> uh, which is crazy. I couldn't believe the draft after the last game was like, what, six days away, seven? It was a week away. And I was like, man, that's really quick. Um, so why don't we just start with this just really quick? Let's just spend like five, 10 minutes on the finals at the most. And just what was your quick takeaways from, from the finals that, you know, maybe things you learned or things that you took away from watching the games? Uh, the Celtics didn't win. So that was uh, the overtaking positive. Uh, but in general, I, I love Steph Curry. It's hard to hate Steph Curry. Um, so seeing him come through, you know, he's kind of had that, we'll call it a stain. It's really not that he hasn't shown up in the finals or didn't have great games, wasn't finals MVP. So to see him show up against a team that was top-notch defensively that you think would narrow in specifically on him, because the, the Warriors don't have uh, a ton else of creators. But so I enjoyed seeing Seth Curry kind of, get his flowers as the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, I agree. I couldn't, I think he had one bad game, you know, it was, but he was, he drew so much attention in that game. It's just like, it's hard to even say it was bad. I mean, he went over nine from three, but not a lot of those looks were wide open and those Celtics were really making him work. Um, that was, I think he had like a streak of like 237 playoff games where he made a three no i can't or games in a row it must not have been playoff games but great games in a row where he made a three and that broke the streak or something like that so that was kind of crazy um i will also say a big surprise uh was wiggins kind of like being the second best player on the warriors that was kind of shocking to me uh personally yeah. yeah he seemed to finally find his role and now has accepted it not that he's old because he was really young coming out but you know I'm sure it was hard for him going from the first pick to all the expectation and he got moved around and but being with the Warriors he's got that perfect role if he can commit to little playmaking shooting and just being a terror on defense that's probably his calling card going forward yeah, yeah for sure and he did a really good job on Tatum as well which uh, was surprising Boston uh, they clearly need some people who can dribble a basketball. That's one of the takeaways I have for their team is this off season. I would be trying to give, get somebody who uh, I, I'd be telling Jalen Brown and Tatum be like, you guys just work on your handles. And then we're going to go and get somebody who can handle the basketball because clearly that was something their turnovers were kind of way up there. So yeah. paging Mike Budenholzer um, pressure the ball, all games, not just a few, but <laughs> Correct. you know, we won't, we won't, 
pick on this scab. But yeah, they that's their their flaw that probably should have came out sooner. Miami exposed it a couple times, but Miami they just they didn't have any offense. Um, that's why I figured whoever won Bucks or Celtics was going to the finals. I don't think Miami had a real shot to uh, uh, beat those teams. But um, yeah, they need to. Marcus Smart, he's a good guard, but I don't know. He's not like a lead ball handler. Right. Same with Derek White. Derek White, he has his games and other games. You're like, I don't know if this guy has ever played in a competitive game, but they definitely need um, to work on, you know, especially Jalen Brown too. They just, every time he goes in, they just dig on him and he turns it over. So. Yeah, no, because he kind of makes up his mind before he attacks. So he's not very like adaptable with the basketball. You know, he decides to go one way. That's what, what he's basically going to do. Um, so really, you know, Steph Curry, he's vindicated. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, that trade, there was um, sort of like a divide of whether that trade was good for the Warriors. I thought at the time it was good because I never saw that D'Angelo Russell and uh, Stephen Curry could be on the court at the same time. They were just too small and neither one of them are really great defensively. Uh, so. And I, I just want to add this, like the Warriors are really set up nice for the future. They are set pretty. If Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, if even two of those guys become anything, I think the, the Warriors are going to still be good for the next four to six years. Yeah, their only, quote, weakness would be if Draymond Green really falls off. Like mm-hmm. he had such an up and down season and a couple of the games in the finals, he looked like you know, vintage Draymond Green from five or six years ago. But unless, unless Wiseman can really um, turn the corner, not that they won't be good because I I still think, like you said, with the young guys, even if none of those guys are stars, uh, they have a good foundation. But I think Draymond, as weird as it sounds, is almost like they're, they're key to contending to winning championships and not just, you know, second round and oops um, type of series. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, Last question about the finals. So obviously now everything's about legacy and all this other stuff. There's been some tweets out there. One of them was that uh, Steph Curry, greatest point guard of all time. Clint, you you were raised in the 90s, 80s a little bit. Right. What what do we feel about that statement? Um, I don't know if I would call him the greatest point guard. I think probably top three, you know, Mm -hmm. I think magic magic Johnson, because he was more of a point guard, even though he was six, eight or whatever, but as far as impact, you know, like you said, when Steph Curry has a bad game, there's still people all over him. So he, he, he changes the game in kind of opposite ways. You know, magic really couldn't shoot, but because he was six, eight, he flipped the floor on him. Um, but my only hesitation with Seth Curry, and this is like minor, is he's such a small guy that I don't know if he wasn't on, like if he didn't have Kevin Durant for two years, does he have two of those titles? Um, like this year, you know, legit title. Um, so I think that kind of Kevin Durant, as much as we poop on Kevin Durant for going to Golden State, I think he also gave Steph Curry two titles that he might not have. Um, so that kind of, inflates and deflates both of them but I don't know if I'd call him the best guard just you know it's not great on defense some of the other point guards you would think of 
better defensively. His handles are great. His shooting is amazing, but I would probably put him top three. I think I would still keep Magic Johnson up there for the the all-around experience. I'm with you. I think Magic Johnson's still number one in my book. I know that he isn't the shooter Steph Curry is, but he the he didn't have to be, you know, and I feel like in an era where the floor spacing now is so much greater, he would actually be a better basketball player. I, I know how, how that, that sounds like a lot, but he could be a better basketball player now than they were, than he was in the eighties and nineties. And um, part of that is because I was watching some like old, like it, it, me and um, Luke, we were watching Grady uh, McGrady versus Kobe like games and I couldn't believe how many people every time they touched the ball, there was like four people at like, like just a foot out of the paint. There was zero space. And I think this would, was back in like 2004, 2005 range. So it's just so strange how the game has changed to allow these scorers to get where they can go and, and open things up for teammates. But I'm with you. Magic Johnson is still number one on, in, in my opinion, and uh, Curry, I, I, I think I'd put him at number two. I'm not as mad as most people were when Durant went to the Warriors. Um, uh, maybe one one day we can have that conversation. I, I do think the Warriors still would have been in title contention because they barely lost the year the year before Kevin Grant, uh, Durant went there, if that makes sense. So they lost in seven to a Cleveland team that really didn't stay together too much after that. And then... Uh, they probably just don't trade Harrison Barnes in that, in that trade, you know, so they'd keep him and, and they'd have done something else with that money with Durant that they use for Durant. So I don't know. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to still think that Steph could have at least three, but you know, it's hard. It's hard to say with that. Okay. uh, Let's, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say for sure. (laughs) Okay. For sure. Okay. I just, I just threw it out there as if he doesn't have those two rings, we probably, that's fair third ring you might look at it a little different we don't have the is he a top 10 player if he has two rings instead of four so that's that's fair that's fair um real quick i I didn't put this on our uh, little list but there was a couple of things that happened in the nba maybe just quick takes i just want your quick thoughts on them uh the dallas mavericks traded for christian wood any thought on that any thoughts on that if christian wood is going to be anything dallas is probably the spot you know, he can shoot, he really can't play defense. So, um, you know, I like Christian Wood, Bucks fans. There's still a handful of Bucks fans that hate that they got rid of Christian Wood, not realizing that I mean, he's really not a five, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. defensively he's not. So um, it'll help their offense, you know, their spacing with Luca. So I see from that aspect, but I don't know if you get in another playoff series, like you're going to have Christian Wood at the five against some of these other teams that are going to, you know, space them out or go at them, try to get switches on them. But, you know, they didn't give up much for them with the 26 pick and a bunch of guys that don't play for them. So it is yeah. what it is. It's, it's decent. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I, you know, obviously being a Piston fan, I got to see uh, Christian Wood. I was a little disappointed that they let him go because he was a young player and it seemed like he was finally finding his footing in the league, but now it sounds like he's a little bit of a handful. So he might be one of those players that's on a team every two years, just because the team can't handle him. But I think he'll, he'll be nice for Luca to be a good offensive, like pick and pop type of guy and a guy to spread the floor, like you said. So uh, I think that's a, 
it's a good move for the Mavericks. And finally, real quick, quick take on Kyrie. So just the latest news on him. It doesn't sound like he's going to be signing with the Nets. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But the Knicks, Lakers, and Clippers are rumored to be interested in him. What Do you have a prediction of what you think is going to happen to Kyrie and a team you'd like to see take a chance on him? Um, it's shocking that there's drama around Kyrie. I saw that and I just, I couldn't, I was like, Oh, not it. This is the first time, but (laughs) for someone like the Knicks, that it literally makes no sense for the Knicks. You know, that sounds like a Knicks move. Um, the Lakers, I mean, you got to unload Westbrook to get to the Lakers and I guess LeBron could keep, keep, keep them in check. If you would say, the Clippers, like, yeah, the Clippers would have to give up stuff to get them, you know, not a ton, but I don't know if you're the Clippers, if you want to put your trust in, that's your third guy now. I mean, sure, it helps because Paul, PG, and uh, Kawhi are in and out of the lineup, but I don't know. If you're a good team, I have no idea how at this point you would be like, Kyrie is the answer. Right. You know, I, I almost think if I was the Nets, I would really call his bluff and be like, if you want to sign, we're not going to sign and trade you. We're just, um, we're not going to deal with that. If you want to go sign with a, a terrible team on a one plus one, you know, as a free agent and try it again next year, but you know, you, you got to get something for <laughs> a max guy like that. You know, the, the personal side makes you kind of be like, yeah, go ahead. You go play for the Kings. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you right. Go play for a terrible team for a year and see how it is. Um, but I think he'll, he'll either stay with the Nets, it's just a ploy to get more money, or he'll end up, somehow he'll end up in L.A., one of those L.A. teams will trick themselves into it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the idea of the Clippers getting him um, uh, for the Clippers' sake. I don't know why any team would trust him at this point. I think the Lakers would have to trade AD. I don't know why they like the Nets would want Westbrook. I don't see any value in Westbrook. Like, d- does Durant really want Westbrook as his, his teammate again? I don't think so. And then uh, the Knicks, I think Kyrie could be super ex- exciting in the garden, you know, 40, uh, what, 41 games a year if he plays 41 games at home a year. But I just like, what are you then if Kyrie's your best player and you have nothing else around him? So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he'll end up signing back with the Nets and they'll look at maybe trading next year after maybe one year of just trying it out one last time. Yeah, it's, it's a weird offseason, too. Like some of these teams, there's not a ton of cap space and the teams that have it aren't good. And I don't think he's going to want to go to a bad team. Cool. And if you're a bad if you're a bad team, what are you going to stunt the development so you can have put some butts in the seats and have Kyrie dribble around for 25 games at home and then take leaves of absences. And yeah, I I have no idea how teams want to put up with this dude anymore. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. He's a phenomenal basketball player, but I just, I don't know. He's just somewhere else sometimes. Okay. Let's uh, get into the reason why we're here today. We're going to talk about the NBA draft. Now, full disclosure, me and Clint are not draft experts we are not college aficionados or none of that we we know the nba so we're going to take it mainly from an nba team point of view we've read stuff i believe you might i don't know if you did but i read a couple articles i've listened to podcasts so we're going to kind of focus especially on the lottery teams we'll talk about uh, we have I think six burning questions that we're going to talk about. And then we're going to go over a mock draft that I found and we'll talk a little bit about it, just the first 10 picks. And then we'll talk after that about the Bucks offseason, what his wish list as a 
Milwaukee Bucks fan is, and we'll talk about my wish list as a Detroit Piston fan. And we might have some questions for each other after that. So you ready to get into this, Clint? Let's do it. Okay, let's first talk about this draft philosophy. So it's funny, you brought this up when you text me. Um, when we were, were planning the podcast and that's something me and Eric talked about when it came to the NFL draft. So I was like, oh, this is actually a, a, a good way to start our conversation about the NBA draft. So when, so let's imagine for a moment, me and Clint are GMs. We want, we're going to tell you guys what our draft philosophy would be for drafting in the NBA. So why don't we start with you, Clint? What's your draft philosophy if you were the GM of a team? Sure. And I think it's important too, because like you said, we don't, we don't hardcore, I don't sit in my base and pounding college basketball film uh, to find <laughs> out about these guys. So sometimes, you know, especially when we get into the list compared to a mock draft, you know, I have some differences just based on how I would approach a draft. And for the most part, if I have a top three pick, I want that dude to be for sure. Um, I think there's too many teams. They're one risk averse where they just try to, especially we'll talk about the Kings when we get there. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, we can't take this guy because we have Davion Mitchell, Mm -hmm. right? He's not a generational player or even an all-star player. So one is upside. Mm -hmm. Two, I think more of these teams should trade, especially when you get in spots where there's no um, guy that you think is going to hit. And sure, you can look stupid because you trade out and that was Kawhi Leonard, but... I think the top part of the draft, I want to do that I'm convinced is one, a hard worker that, that I know this dude is going to work. If he's not going to work, that would put a red flag up for me because we're going to base the franchise off this guy. Two, he's got to be at least elite in one area. Yes, I like that one. Yep. You know, if, if he's okay on defense, okay on offense, great. I can draft that guy at 20 probably or 15. I can take a flyer on a guy opposed to in the top five. Yeah. Um, and then you get, you know, when you get to players like Donovan Mitchell fell, Giannis fell, like Devin Booker, Kawhi, all these guys that came after 10, when you get past 10, 12, 15 in that range, just pick a dude you think might be something because the likelihood of you trying to pick a safe guy, you're probably not going to find it. I mean, you're better off in, picking Malcolm Brogdon at 34 or whatever than you are at finding, you know, uh, someone that's going to be elite at 20 with, you know, taking a, a baseline of a, of an athlete opposed to some upside. So I, I just think you teams need to dig in and I would be, this guy has to be a worker. Like he has to want it. And if yeah. I have questions, if he wants it, then it's probably not going to be the guy that I need him to be at pick two, three, four, five, whatever you are. No, I like, I like, it's funny. I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Uh, So a couple, couple points that I wrote down, best player available. So high ceiling. That's, that's sort of the thing when, when, when I'm talking about best player available. Now I will say it is also a little bit dependent on the team. Um, You know, like, I guess this is where it's interesting. So let me ask you this because this is, um, where like the Warriors the other year, uh, a couple of years back, they drafted Wiseman at three, I believe he was, he was the third pick overall. They needed a big man. Um, was he the third or the first? 
was man. up there. He, I think he was a top two pick because you know they passed on Lonzo Ball, they or Lamelo, Lamelo, right? They and passed see, on a couple guys. Okay, and see that that's the the question I have. Would you? Because here's the thing: the one thing I I was you know a Piston fan. We were talking about if at that time a Pistons were like, oh, if okay, he was picked two. Wiseman was. So if um, LaMelo fell to the Pistons, would you draft him? And I think they were pick seven. That's when the year they draft killing Hayes. And I said, I would draft him. My philosophy was he was elite at uh, playmaking. That, he, that was what all the draft experts were saying. He was elite at playmaking. Wiseman wasn't necessarily elite at anything that I remember when hearing about the draft, just that he could extend the floor. He can fit with the Warriors and that's sort of what they need. So in that situation, would you have draft Wiseman or would you have gone with someone like LaMelo? Yeah, I, I think the, I see both sides for the Warriors, right? You're hoping that Wiseman is the big guy that you need, mm-hmm. but like he, he falls into the perfect category. He didn't show barely anything came out of high school. He only played a few games at Memphis and then he was, you know, he was injured and then sat out. So I get what they're trying to do, but I think, and granted it didn't hurt them. So they're like a good example of if I was to no, I wouldn't have picked Wiseman. I would have either moved the pick and even taken less than you probably should to move back a few picks, or I just take LaMelo and he can be my third guard. And I mean, they basically did the same thing with Jordan Poole. They unearthed Jordan Poole. You basically would have the same effect. Um, Poole's more of a scorer than a ball handler. So I just think you could patch that together. And if he's the third guard and, you know, after a year, someone still values him, you might be able to move him for a more proven, you know, yeah. big or a, a proven four, someone who could play a four or five. So I, Drafting for need that high at a guy that you don't think, AKA the Bucks drafting Andrew Bogut ahead of Chris Paul. Mm, like, yeah. Okay. Andrew Bogut, perfectly fine, but he's not Chris Paul. Right. <laughs> you know, he's not even Darren Williams, where Darren Williams was for a handful of years. So you're just, yeah, we need a big man, but you're passing up opportunity costs to either trade that later, trade the pick, or just, you know, down the line, you have more options. Okay. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. That's sort of where I'm at is like, just, I like the phrase you used and, and we're going to talk about it. I think when we go into the next part of our podcast is they should be elite, at least at something, one thing, if you're elite at one thing, I'm in a hard worker, I'm going to draft you. Right. So um, and that, that, that's where I think, you know, just using that example, there's been many other examples, but that's where I think the Warriors should have went with LaMelo over Wiseman because he was elite. And then like Anthony Edwards was picked number one. He was an elite athlete, right? So like in a hard worker, so you could see why, you know, he, he was so uh, coveted for the, the Timberwolves at the first pick. So I, I agree with that. Um, I, here, here's another thing. Um, don't overvalue your pick. Um, I think if you're a team that's looking to contend, uh, don't overvalue just because you're in the lottery thinking your pick is better than what it is. I, you know, I think sometimes, and we'll talk about it. Uh, people are so enamored with the mystery box idea versus like the known 
And um, if I'm a team looking to contend, I'd rather have the known, even though it might cost me a little bit more right now to contend because we're seeing in the NBA, there's a lot of contenders right now going into next year. I mean, we were, me and Luke were talking about that the other night. We were going over the handful of teams in the West and in the East that we thought we could, that could win the finals with like a good off season. And there's a lot, there's like five each. So if you feel like you can contend and, and build a roster by giving up a, a, a lottery pick, don't overvalue your pick. I think too many teams do that. And then can that, I like, this is, I get from Bill Simmons. This is one I get from Bill Simmons. Can that player play in the playoffs? If I'm drafting top 10, that player has to be able to play in the playoffs because that's the goal. So don't be drafting somebody you think that is sort of a situational player that you might have to sit here and there. Just try to get somebody that's a wing somebody who uh, you know that could have played in the series that we just watched, sort of, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and I guess my one exception is, uh, sorry, Luke, like I would never draft someone like Trey Young. Just he's elite at offense, but I mean, I just, I don't think his non-effort on defense and things along that, just can you picture him in the finals? I can't. Um, I mean, unless he shoots like Steph Curry and I think he thinks he's Steph Curry, but he's not. So, and he's so small. So he's just like an example of someone that, I mean, they traded, they gave up Luca to get Trey young so they can live with that for as long as they want. But I totally agree what you said. It has to be elite. And if we're playing in the playoffs in a couple of years, obviously as a rookie, you know, you're probably not starting him in a playoff series, but yeah. Can I picture this dude? getting switched onto Jason Tatum or mm-hmm. getting switched on to Seth Curry and at least not looking like it's a pickup game and he has no idea what's going on. Correct. And you're right. Not right away, but like in five years, you know, five, five years or whatever. And yeah, Trey, Trey young is more of a tricky one because it's like, I, I don't know if I can see him being like the best player on your team. I could see, I could see him being a player one of the top two, maybe like your second best player on a team. But you have to, the thing with someone like Trey Young is you almost have to build your team around him in order to, you know, accommodate his weaknesses so much so that it, it's hard to. So I kind of agree with you too. Like he's not somebody I'd like to build around where versus someone like, um, Cade Cunningham, uh, just to throw it off my head, he's six, six, he tries hard on defense. He's a sol- he's a really solid offensive player. He facilitates very well. And you could see, uh, he's way easier to build around than Trey young is because he's, he's willing to move and do stuff without the ball where I just feel like Trey needs the ball. Yeah. And like we use the example of Cade, you could bring in someone who also is semi high usage and Cade Cunningham, isn't going to pout or hate Correct. his life. You Correct. can't, you can't tell Trey young, Hey, you're, you're Robin now, or you're going to be the third sometimes because we have two other guys. He, he's got to have the ball. Otherwise Correct. he's going to James Harden it and not move off the ball. And then, all right, well now it's four on five. And that dude doesn't even want to do a catch and shoot three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he will always be a liability on defense, whether he tries or not, he's just too small. Like he could try all he wants on defense. He's like six foot. Right. So like, I mean, in 150 pounds soaking wet. So it's just like, unfortunately he could be like all up in your face, but you know, I, I remember I went to a, I, I was playing pickup basketball 
And I was, you know, I'm 5'11 and I got switched onto this guy that was like 6'6 and I was on top of him and he jumped, he, he jumped shot. So like, you know, he was full and I, I went to jump and lift his hand. I think my hand was in front of his chest, you know, with my hand totally extended. It, it, it did nothing. And, and that's the point It's just like when you're covering people that are like 6'4, six, 6'6, six, six, there's just nothing you can do at that, that height anyway. So, um, Anywho. Yeah. So any other things when it comes to draft philosophy before we get into our six burning questions? I just touched on, I think teams should move their pick more. I agree. Um, I know it's the NBA has a different system than like the NFL, as far as how it's viewed. And I think NBA GMs view it different because basketball, if you pick someone at the Pistons have five. So if you get someone at five, that's elite, that can totally change your team. Whereas if you trade five for eight and 10, you know, if five turns to be someone good and you don't, you know, you end up losing your job. But I think teams should move their pick more um, to collect other ones, you know, like OKC and New Orleans have just about every pick going forward. But I think teams should trade to hoard picks and then after a couple of years, cash in those picks for proven players opposed to just trying to cycle through guys I hope are going to be good. Yeah, I agree 100%. It kind of went with that uh, when we were talking about the trade deadline when it seemed like, um, you know, the Bulls were interested in Jeremy Grant, but they wanted to hold on to Patrick Williams. They weren't willing to kind of part ways with him. And it's like, well, if Patrick Williams becomes Jeremy Grant, you're like happy with that. Like, you're like, that's a solid player. I'm glad. So why wouldn't you trade somebody who isn't quite on that level to help you now to win? Right. And, and sort of, sort of kind of like that, but anyway, I'm with you on that. Okay. You ready to get into our six birding questions, Clint? I'm on fire. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's start with this one. Um, our first burning question. Let's go with who is your number one player. So it's been uh, kind of decided by the majority of the NBA. It's either going to be Chet or Jabari Smith or Pablo uh, Van Caro. So who do you have as your number one player? Uh, I would take Jabari Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think his, he has the size I like. He has the athleticism. From what I was reading, he's known as a hard worker, solid defender. He has some downside weaknesses. Like he's not a great ball handler. Um, but I think a guy that has that athleticism size that I think you could sculpt him you know he's not extremely cut but you could work on him untapped potential he has the shooting ability he's a crazy shooter uh tough shot maker I would take a chance on a guy like that that I think I could um untap what he has left in there maybe he's not going to end up being uh crazy ball handler, but neither is Jalen Brown. Like if you could turn him into someone like a Jalen Brown, all right. I mean, you can be happy, but he's bigger. He's 6'10". So that's who I would go with because I think he has the work ethic that I see that I could open up something with. Yeah, I agree. I actually had uh, Jabari Smith as well. Um, Ultimately, when we talked about what uh, that – hard worker. He checks that box. And are you elite at something? He's a marksman. He can, he shoots the ball uh, from distance. He's a lead at it. 
and you can work with that because like you said at the very least like at the very least he's Rashard Lewis right like so, uh, uh, a stretch four that can hit shots and play really solid defense on the other end so he has a floor I feel like and you know like you said you can work with somebody who's willing to work hard so I'm with you Jabari Smith is my number one pick as well uh this is not part of the six burning questions but who would you who is your second I would take Paulo Bandero okay. second. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, for same reasons, but he has more playmaking ability. But I, I think he could be more of like he's a little bigger, like a Cade Cunningham, where he's not explosively athletic, but I think he has the basketball IQ and could blend in with the team. Um, and he's not going to be, you know, I don't, I don't see him as flopping out of the league. And you know, there's nothing there. I think he could be a solid player. Yeah. So it sounds like then maybe what concerns you about Chet, if I had to guess would be his um, physique. Chet just, he just, like I, like you said, he's good defensively. So he has one thing, but he's either going to be a role player. Okay. Just a good role player. Or could he be Kevin Durant if he could dribble and shoot? Mm. Right. I just, his body type worries me and I don't see that dude ever being 250 pounds. Like, Correct. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, yeah, true. Even if he gets up to 210, you're like, oh, okay, he gained 20 pounds, but you know, 20 pounds on a seven foot, what is he? Seven, two, seven, one. Like are you barely going to notice the 20 pounds. So I, I just don't think he has the, the upside because I don't ever think he's going to be more than a, like, could I see him going one-on-one against Steph Curry eventually? Absolutely not. Like he, he's, he's not a great perimeter defender and teams are just going to switch him out. And could he be uh, a skinny Brooke Lopez? Sure. Okay. Great rim protector, not great on the perimeter, but I don't know if I'm the Orlando magic. Am I excited to get a, a younger Brooke Lopez without the post game that's going to stand in the corner and shoot for a couple of years and, I already have guards that aren't going to pass him the ball. Like, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to have the handles to develop into more of just, uh, you know, I impact the game, but not yeah. a top, top pick. Yeah. I guess I, I, I would say I, I sort of agree with that. I think he has a little bit more of playmaking than someone like Brooke Lopez. Like he's, he, he seems to be a willing uh, role player as well. But I, the thing that, you know, one of the, the rules that I, we, we, sort of talked about can, can you see him playing in the playoffs in the important minutes i have doubts that in the nba in the way this court is spread out if he was switched on the like ja morant steph curry those type of players i just don't see him keeping up with them i think he'd get play played off the court much like rudy gobert does so uh, yeah. you know so yeah. I'm, I'm with you and I, you know, looking over the, the, the teams who have the top picks out of the top seven, maybe the Pacers at six, but any of those other teams that are going to pick him, he's not going to have the ball. Like, they're not going to be like, Hey, Chet, that's true. Here, here's a 25% usage dribble around and create some offense. Um, so I, unless he can develop that part of his game, then I, I don't see him like, you're right. He, he can dribble better than Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez moves about as slow as possible towards <laughs> the rim with the ball, but I just meant like defensively and that's valuable, but I don't see him playing 40 minutes a game in a high leverage against some of these playoff teams and guards and 
you know, is he going to go 40 minutes against Giannis without getting, you know, his face busted in 10 times in the game. So I see the potential, but I just don't see a team that's going to say, Chet, here's the ball, turn yourself into Kevin Durant. Could he do it? I, I think he could if he had the ball and they were, if he was going to be the number one option on a team, but I don't see any of these teams that are going to make him their number one option. Oh, okay. That's a fair point. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because I think he's the most out of those three picks. He's the most like controversial uh, of the top three guys. Okay. Let's go to our second burning question. Which team do you think makes a trade or even needs to make a trade? So I'll, I'll uh, go. Who do you think? Who do you got? So I think it's either going to be the Kings at four because I think the Kings are stupid and they don't want to take a guard. <laughs> and I think that's going to, who's going to be there for them, either Ivy or Sharp or someone else, um, or the Pelicans at eight. If the Pelicans have someone on their list, they like, they have all those extra picks from the Bucks and Lakers. And I think those are the two teams that are, have the ammo and are most likely to let's trade up for someone that we're high on. Mm. Do you, um, so Sacramento, they would trade back is what you're thinking if, if they make, yeah. okay. And a possible trade partner could be New Orleans then because they're at eight. You said, yeah. 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 I heard OKC really likes Ivy. So I wonder if they'll, they have like, I think the 12th pick. So I wonder if they could, uh, they'll like add a future for, because they have a ton of picks as well. Could they add a future fix pick one or two of them and, and they pick this year and trade up for the Kings to try to get Ivy. Um but I guess we'll see what happens there. I have the Blazers as the team. Um, so Dame Lillard, they, I, the work they they got to if they really want to build around Damian Lillard, they got to get players that know how to play basketball. They can't work on um, developing a young player for the next three years. And if you look at the history of the seventh overall pick. I did that. I did that recently because um, obviously Jeremy Grant's on the table and some people are like, well, Jeremy Grant isn't worth the seventh overall pick. So I went back and I looked at it and the last 10 years, there's only one player that I would pick over Jeremy Grant that was picked at seven. And that was Jamal Murray. Okay. And Jamal Murray, he took two to the three years to develop before he became Jamal Murray, right? Like he didn't just become Jamal Murray overnight. So I, I think if the Blazers really want to compete, uh, they need to trade that seventh overall pick for a veteran, whether that be John Collins, uh, which the um, Hawks are looking to trade. Uh, PJ Washington is rumored uh, with the Hornets to be interested or even Jeremy Grant with the Pistons. So I think the Blazers will and need to make a trade to help out uh, Lillard. Oh, they definitely need to make a trade because like you said, they're in a tough situation because ideally you would just take the seventh pick, but Dame Lillard's older and he's not going to sit around for, even if they nail the pick with someone who's good, waiting two years for that guy to be able to, uh, you know, compete in the playoffs. Yeah, correct. Correct. Okay. Let's go to our third burning question. Uh, uh, team to watch out for on draft night. So what team are you watching out for on draft night? Maybe the Knicks, maybe they're going to unload some stuff because maybe they think that, you know, hey, Kyrie Irving is, you know, hey, he's going to put some butts in the seats. Um, that was a tough one because I thought of, you know, the Pistons too. Not mm -hmm. the Pistons, sorry, the Blazers as, right. 
and in essence, the Pistons. Like if these teams are going to ship Jeremy Grant, this might be the time, you know, the next couple of days. So Blazers and the Pistons were the other two I came up with in this area is something crazy has got to happen besides just moving picks. You know, the Pistons aren't going to trade five for 10 and 12, you know, they're not, they're not going to just switch around picks. So I think there's going to be a couple players that go, you know, it's hard to see. It's hard to know who might do it, but I think you're right with the Blazers. I just put them in this side instead of the trade part. <laughs> no, no, that's, that, that's, a, uh, that's a good one. I, I also, um, so I picked somebody else too, because I had the Blazers in the other one. So uh, the Atlanta Hawks are sort of interesting to me because they are a team that has almost too many players. Um, uh, when we were looking at their rosters, even before the season start, they had like 11 potential role players. So they could package their pick. And it sounds like John Collins is the guy odd man out there. Like, I think they're tired of him for some reason. I don't know what he, him and Trey young, I don't think get along or something like that, but um, so the 16th pick and John Collins is available. I'm kind of interested to see if the Hawks trade him. Another one is Memphis. They have two first round picks. And again, they're another team that has a lot of solid young players, but they almost need just like a, a, they could do like a two for one deal it, to get uh, to get a better, more established player than some of the young players they have. And, and those two first round picks could could help them make a move like that. So I have a Memphis and Atlanta as two of the teams that I'm kind of watching out for on draft night. Yeah. It should be interesting. I'll watch. There'll be no trades in the, draft I know, right. Right through the, <laughs> right through the lottery with nothing happening, but yeah, there's a lot of teams that you'll find out how serious they are about wanting to improve. And I guess the Hawks could, you know, with John Collins, you could wait into July when free agency starts going, but if there's a player they're looking for, same with the Blazers, I mean, in theory, you could take the seventh pick for a team and work something out later. But yeah, the Hawks are a good one. They definitely need to do something because, you know, they apparently thought it was good enough to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and fall off after that. But I think, yeah, the Hawks, Blaze, I mean, sorry, Memphis too. They're right on that edge of mm-hmm. – what do they want to disrupt how they've done things and go, you know, big game hunting or, you know, try to ride it out a little longer and develop guys. Yeah. Their team is just so young already. I just don't know what like two first round picks is almost like if you could trade just out of like a player with those two first round picks and get someone like a John Collins, you know, uh, I think that you probably wouldn't do that just because you got triple J and they kind of, uh, same position type players and, and it would be hard. I think it'd be a weird fit, but, or maybe they could work it out. I'm, I'm not sure, but it's just like, why wouldn't you do that instead of getting two more young players when your roster so young anyway, and you already got like nine solid players, you know, for sure. Okay. Which player. So this is our fourth burning question with player and team fits the best. So when you were looking at the draft, um, you know, mock draft, it could be in the lottery or whatever. What players like, man, if that player went to that team, that would be super awesome for both the player and the team. So I'll just go random and I'll, I'll keep Wisconsin tie. Johnny mm. Davis somehow ending up with the Spurs. Mm. He seems like just like just the guy who has the potential, but he his shot is not consistent. And the Spurs seem like a perfect team that would take a dude that 
has some of that potential and then, you know, not turn him into Kawhi Leonard. Cause you know, I don't think Johnny Davis has the defensive tools, but just a guy that you're like, Oh, oh he fell to, what did they have? <laughs> they have picked 20, like, Oh, he fell to pick 20 and they picked Johnny Davis. And you know, five years from now, he's shooting 40% from three and, you know, is <laughs> an all around good player. And you're like, darn it. But I think the Spurs are one of those. He, he reminds me of a Spurs player. Could, could, uh, how how uh, stoked would you be if he fell somehow to the Bucks at 24? He's not going to fall that far. Yeah, the Bucks probably wouldn't end up taking him then. They would be like, oh, look, we're just going to trade him. But that would be – I think he could fit. But I don't know if the, the, the Bucks are one of those teams that haven't had a great track record since drafting Giannis of developing – That's fair. <laughs> young guys they just you know they take thon maker i'm like oh didn't work uh and just you know they just throw darts or wherever or just trade the pick for you know someone else so it would be he would be an interesting fit i think they could get something out of him because he wouldn't have to you know carry any kind of load besides stand over there and shoot yeah that's true that's true um i picked it sounds like you might disagree on this one but um this is a little high, so they'd have to trade back. But I thought Keegan Murray to the Kings is a perfect fit. Um, the Kings are trying to get to the playoffs, and I agree with you as far as like drafting Ivy at four. But if they could trade back, get an extra pick at, to like the, the the big rumor is the Pacers want Ivy, so he, they trade back to get six, and then they can get Keegan Murray. Uh, Murray is six, eight. He could fit right in next to Sabonis and you, he's not a player. I I think he's like in the lottery, in my opinion, it's him and Matherin that are probably the most like ready to just be put out there to start, you know, and they'll be able to produce because of their skill set. Um, so I I feel like, uh, for me, Murray, if he ends up on San uh, in Sacramento, and they 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 trade down, get additional picks, maybe another player. Um, I think that would be a, a really good fit because it would be him, Barnes, Sabonis, Fox, and uh, Devon da- Mitchell. Mitchell. De- yeah. I, I want to say Donovan, but it's Devon Mitchell. Davion. That's it. Davion Mitchell. So I think that would be a, a an interesting starting five. So that's where I would uh, um say would be a good fit but only if they trade back i don't think picking him at four would be wise so what you're saying is he's going for no. yeah yeah no well um i don't know yeah i've heard a lot of rumor that they love him and but the other rumor is that the pistons love murray too so if the kings trade out of that spot they're not it sounds like the pistons would draft him so i don't know it, you know and it might be playing games they might be trying to get ivy to make sacramento draft murray because ivy would be really good fit next to Cade, i think but um okay outside of the top three our fifth burning question clint most intriguing player outside of the top three uh shaden sharp Mm. he is totally unproven as far as you know he didn't play a whole ton and he just just turned 18 like halfway through the college season um, but another guy, crazy upside with his athleticism. We just haven't seen it like on a college or even semi-pro level. So you have those concerns, but I think he's one of those guys like, um, well, I can't think of his name for the Timberwolves now. Who did they just pick one a couple of years ago? Anthony yeah, Edwards. Anthony yeah. Edwards. Like, he's yeah. not that big, but just a guy that has that athleticism. We're like, all right, if we can turn this guy loose, 
and let him go, he's either going to be something or nothing. But he's the type of player where I'm like, all right, he's only 18. Mm-hmm. If I can, if I can get him, give him a year, work him in, and then let him loose, you know, it's a, it's a boom or bust pick. But some of these teams, that's what you need to do. So. Yeah, no, I had Shaden Sharp down as well. He's, he's, everything I hear is that he can be this amazing offensive talent and, or because he didn't play college last year. But I think a lot of people forget, like they used to come directly out of high school, right? Like Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, you know, um, LeBron James, they all came directly out of high school. I'm not comparing him to those guys. Just, you know, I'm not saying that's what he's going to be, but not every player in the history of basketball went to college in order to gain success in the NBA. So it's not like they should be too scared of the fact that he didn't play in, in college. Um, I didn't understand though. I was listening and I didn't get any details. Do you know why he didn't play in college? They, the podcast I was listening to, they just mentioned he could have, but then they just, he decided not to. I think it was, it's hard to get tossed in in the middle of a season. And uh, I think he was thinking if I get tossed in and I don't look good because I didn't have any training camp or anything, I'm going to come in in January and then put three or four games on where the tape doesn't look good. And then you're probably not going to be a top 10 pick. Whereas, as you said, the unknown box is intriguing <laughs> to a lot of teams. And they're like, well, you look good when we worked him out. So, yeah, no, I, yeah, that's, that, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I was just like, well, what in the world happened there? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Let's look at our last most intriguing question. Who would you say is the most overlooked player in the draft? So, you know, of the players that you looked at or talked about, or even just in the lottery, what, what player are you like? I'm surprised this guy isn't getting more hype. Oh, that's a tough one. Like <laughs> when I was trying to think of it, I'm like, some of these guys just get, they either get so hyped or they just kind of fall through. I was, like you said, trying to keep it in the, the lottery. What's his name? Usumain Dieng. Um, he's just like some crazy prospect that played in, New, New, I think, New Zealand last year. So mm-hmm. he looked intriguing, just kind of. I think they have the Pelicans. The mock I was looking at him had the Pelicans at eight taking them. Okay. I don't know. They just, they already have Jackson Hayes. So, um, but you know, he seems intriguing as in, Hey, what do we have here? But I, he feels like a guy that I would take like at 14. <laughs> oh, know, 15 right. I'm sure. like, hey, this guy might be something or nothing. He seems like one of those guys, not he's six, nine. So he's not, you know, like, Everyone wants to do the Giannis comparison with a lot of these guys, but just like, Hey, he's got some size, whatever it's pick 15. Yeah, no, uh, that's an interesting name. I didn't even think of that when I was, I, I was looking at Benedict uh, Matherin. I think he's kind of being overlooked and I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a slit in the draft, just because everything I'm hearing and like other mock drafts, like he could go in the top, uh, like seven or he could fall to 10 to like one mock draft. And this like, he's a six, six guard who tries on defense and he's like uh, a sniper from three. Like he's, he has the, I think he had the best three point percentage of the, the class, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, but either way, it's high up there. And I'm just like, why wouldn't teams want that? Like I could see him in five years playing in the playoffs and obviously it doesn't sound like someone like um, 
Keegan Murray, it sounds like he might even have more upside than someone like him, but yet he's being, for some reason, I feel like he's being overlooked the way he's talked about. I'm like, why wouldn't he be higher drafted uh, by these teams? But uh, so that, that's what I'm going to say is, uh, is, is my most overlooked player in the draft. In fact, if the Pistons draft him at five, I wouldn't be sad. Yeah. Well, I have him like, we're going to do the mock draft thing, but I have him as five on my list. Like if I was picking as the fifth oh. pick, um, Oh, interesting. just, and I just, for that reason, like, I think him sliding would be, could be similar to like Donovan Mitchell, just sliding. I mean, he's a much better shooter than Donovan Mitchell was, but it's just like, oh, well, he's, he is what he is. And it's like, we're going to punish the guy for being uh, an insane shooter and competitor when you watch the tournament you're like well we'll just let him fall to 12 or whatever so I, I would agree he's I don't know he, the mock drafts he's like all over the place some places you're like oh look six and other ones I'm like why is he 12 yeah no um, that's that's what I mean it's so weird to me so I agree Okay. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, let's do that. Let's talk about a mock draft here. So I like what you sort of did. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over who I just picked one article uh, from the rookie wire, the USA today.com. Uh, this is the article I chose for some reason. Um, and we're just going to go over just probably the top 10, maybe 14. We'll see how much time we have, but for sure the top 10 and um We'll talk about each pick and whether we like it, not only ourselves, it sounds like that's sort of what you did is who would I pick here, but also if it's a good fit for the team, which I think I can speak more to in you too, as far as for the team, rather than the player himself necessarily, because again, we are not college basketball. Gurus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> totally, totally upfront about that. Okay. So let's first talk about the number one pick. We have Jabari Smith going to the Orlando Magic. So let's just start there. What did you think of, of the Magic drafting Smith? That's what I I would do if I was Magic. I think he fits there. Um, it might tamper his uh, developing uh, his ball handling because they have a bunch of guards and you know they're still going to continue to you know have guys that can't shoot as their point guard. Um, but I, he has the, and I know a lot of people put Chet there because, you know, uh, what's his name? John Hammond and that, you know, always go for the guys with the nine foot wingspans and that, but Jabari fits that too. If he has that crazy athleticism that you're reading about and hard worker, they draft those type of guys too. So I, that's who I would pick with them. I think he could fit right in. He could even play the four for them and you bump Wendell Carter to the five. He's a little small to be a five, but, most nights he'd be fine. Yeah. I wonder if they'll let Mobamba go because I, he, he, you think they will. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I, I don't, you know, unless he wants to come back for cheap, but I think Mobamba would prefer to leave too. Cause I, you know, I, especially if they draft Jabari Smith or if they draft Chet, like he's not going to start then. <laughs> yeah. Know, he's going to have a limited role. And I think he wants, uh, I want to prove something. No, I, I agree. I, that's why I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious about this pick because if if the Magic take Chet, I think Mobamba is definitely gone. Uh, with Smith, you're right; they could move Carter to center. They have um, Jonathan Isaac, and they drafted uh, Fran, Franz Wagner last year, who kind of was like a surprise as far as how good he was um, last year. So. 
they got Suggs as well. They got Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton. They have a lot of young players. So, you know, if they were drafting need, I feel like they would go with Chet here. But I'm with you. Go with who you know has a hard worker and has an elite trait, right? So that would be Jabari Smith. So I'm with you. Uh, Jabari Smith, number one. Okay. Number two, uh, the second overall pick is by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they select in this mock draft Chet Holmgren. How do you feel about that? This is where I would take Paolo if I was them. And I think I was reading one thing that Oklahoma City is really uh, big on that seventh. Was it? Oh, yes. Victor. Uh, yeah. Habanero, yeah. whatever. He, the French guy from there. Like Habanero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wasabi <laughs> and vinegar. Yeah. I, yeah I th- so I think. If Chet goes, this is probably a better spot than him going to the Rockets at three, frankly, mm-hmm. for his development, because I think OKC would put in the work with him. If I was them, though, I would still take Paolo um, just because I think he has the um, modern upside that I would want out of a guy his size. Okay, nice. Um yeah, this one was challenging for me. I think I would go Chet here personally. And the only reason why is because you already got SGA, who is an all-star, right? Like SGA is an all-star type of talent. Did, did he make the all-star last year or was he close? I think he was close. I don't think he made the all-star. Yeah, I think they shut him down too soon too. He had some injuries and missed some games. And- right. And they also have Giddy. So they have like two really, and Giddy was excellent for his rookie year as far as where he was projected. I think he went eighth or something like that. And his assist, I, I picked him up in fantasy basketball because he was like triple doubled so closely, like every single uh, game he was close to a triple double. But um, and so I think actually if, if, Holmgren goes here. I think you're right. This wouldn't be a place where he can like be Kevin Durant, but I think like the two guards on this team would be willing to work with Chet and he could grow as far as like a stretch type of five or four, depending on where they want to play. I think he's a five though, right? They're not going to play him at four. Yeah. See, that's why I'm torn with him. Like, I don't think he can play five yet, but I don't think he can play four yet either. Cause I don't think he has the, the foot speed yes. um, to get out there. So th- that, uh, as we'll see, he's farther down on my list when I actually get to when I would. Oh, five. I'm excited for this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, perfect. But, but I think, right. I, OKC, I think that there are a team that would be patient. Um, and I think OKC is the team that um, either next year, is when they're going to cash in all those picks and be like, yeah. we got to be good because they have so many young guys that you're going to have to start paying. Like you're just going to keep bringing in 20 year olds and be like, Oh, sorry. Uh, Shea Gildress Alexander continue to win 20 games. Yeah. I, I'm kind of wondering because last year they were willing to trade him. It sounded like for the number one pick to Detroit. I wonder if they're like willing to kind of separate with him eventually in the near future. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, so, so you, you would pick Pablo here. I probably personally would go with Chet just because of what I, I know it sounds, I think there's a high enough possibility for his ceiling. That's not like I'm giving up. Um, like, I think he could be elite, a defender. Well, it's hard. I don't know. I'm torn here. He is such a weird guy. Like it's just a weird prospect, but I'm going to go with Chet. Oh, Okay, let's go Houston. They they are the ones that take Pablo Bencaro. So who do you how do you feel about the Houston Rockets? So you obviously already have him off the board. Uh, so yeah. who would you pick here with your mock draft board? 
So for me, I have I would have the Rockets taking Jaden Ivy because I think they <sighs> need they need that. I mean, they have um, where is that? I was just looking who they drafted last year. Green, yeah, but I, he's not like a point point guard, and I think Jaden Ivy can be the point guard, or he can play off ball because he has a really quick first step. He can attack those clothes. His shot isn't great, so but I think his skill of actually being a point guard, getting to the rim would fit good. Paolo would fit good here too. If Chet does go to like, but again, you know, Jalen green is going to dribble the ball so much. I think they empowered him maybe a little too much last year, mm-hmm. but I think Ivy would be good here for his defense for that secondary creation and not just putting it all in Jalen green's hand and letting him shoot 28 times. Okay. I like that. I, be interesting though, because that'd be a very athletic backcourt too, because they're both very athletic. Um, I, I obviously with my mock draft, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay. What is it called? Chalk here. I'm gonna go Pablo here. I think if the Rockets get Pablo, the, so if the Pistons, this is what annoys me about the draft because I think the <laughs> Pistons had the second best or worst record or third, and I would have took in Pablo or Smith. And I really wanted Smith with Cade Cunningham. That's who I wanted. I wanted him so bad because I'm like, man, that guy's going to spread the court. Him and Cade are going to work so well together. And then they get the fifth pick, which is just so depressing to me. But he, uh, Pablo, I also would thought, thought would fit well with Cade because they both are unselfish players. So they're b- both going to be looking to set up the teammates. And I think if Houston gets Pablo, I think that's really good for Houston because he can be the um, facilitator along with they got that Kevin Martin as well, who's kind of a scorer. So he can be the guy that sets those guys up uh, him and green. So that's who I have going three. Okay. Let's go with the fourth pick Sacramento Kings on this draft board. They're taking Jaden Ivy. So what do you got for four there, uh, Clint? So if the Kings don't trade this pick and the Kings always need like some crazy upside. This is where I would take shade and sharp. If I was the oh, okay. Kings forward, they have plenty of, they could avoid having too many guards. Like they're always worried about, you know, since they just unload them for nothing. So I would take shade and sharp here. He's he could play small forward, put him, you know, Harrison Barnes basically plays the four anyhow. Um, and you just put more athleticism and more, you know, potential on the floor with deer and Fox, you know, maybe they'll keep, um, good buddy Dante DiVincenzo and they can keep Davion Mitchell. Like you have some crazy athleticism with that one and some upside of maybe this guy is, (laughs) is really (laughs) the thing. Yeah. So I'm torn here. If I'm doing a mock draft, I'd probably take Ivy here because Ivy is the potential, but if I'm going to guess everything I hear from all, everything I read and everything, uh, what the experts are saying, they love Murray. And I expect the Sacramento Kings to sort of screw it up as well. <laughs> so if I personally was doing it, I probably would go Ivy here, but I'm also going to kind of like play the, the line where I'm going to say, I think Sacramento will take Murray here or trade back and take Murray. But I think their goal is to take Keegan Murray. So I'm going to draft in my mock draft Keegan Murray here. Yeah, I, I think so. If they can't get out of the pick, I think that's what they'll do too. They'll okay. just be like, ah, whatever. We'll just take the guy <laughs> that we like and, um, you know, 
probably, probably regret it later, or he'll probably want out in two years anyhow. So, yeah, I don't think they're really good at developing players, honestly. So uh, the the other thing is Keegan Murray could end up being a very solid player for them. Like he he like that's the one thing is he does have a high floor, which I do like. But you're right when we're looking at Shaden Sharp or, or Ivy, like the potential is so much greater than what Keegan Murray has. So. Right. Um, if you're if you're Keegan Murray, are you like are you hoping that he's going to be Harrison Barnes? <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you're right. kind of being like, okay, we're going to replace Harrison Barnes with the younger guy that we hope can be maybe as good as Harrison. That, that that's what I get in with some of these teams where you're like, just you're the Kings. You need someone that's going to be electric, someone that has potential. Um, so I would just shoot for the ceiling on that one. Yeah, I agree. Okay, five. Uh, the article here has the Detroit Pistons at five. Keegan Murray. Uh, yeah, them taking Keegan Murray. So uh, who do you got going five to Detroit? So I'm with you. I think if he fell, Jaden Ivey would be ideal for the Pistons as that second guy with the athleticism, with the ball handling. He'll probably be gone by then. Uh, I have the Pistons, if I was five, taking Benedict Matherin. Mm-hmm. I think he's perfect for the team. If you're going to let Cade Cunningham continue to develop ball handling, Matherin can do a little of that, but you don't, he doesn't have to be a guy where you're like, Oh, this guy needs the ball all the time. He can space the, the floor. They already have, um, you know, a couple other good shooters, Killian Hayes. I mean, he's solid. No, I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> he's like good at everything. Like, okay like good i'll say good at everything but shooting which is probably one of the most important things you need in basketball right now so yeah and you figure they're probably not going to keep jeremy grant past this offseason like i don't think they want to extend him i don't it doesn't sound like he's like hey let's we're gonna we're gonna build with this guy so they already have sadiq bay too so if you can get another guy that's just a shooter to space for those two uh, that's what i would go with here at five someone like that yeah if so, the way your draft played out, I would definitely want Matherson at that point. Matherin, no, I don't know why I said Matherson. Math Matherin uh, at that point in the draft that I'm doing, I would take Ivy if he's available. Here's a question though, because this is this is like let's say uh, Ivy's taken. Like let's say because they have you know these th- this article here, they have uh, you know the the three going off. They have Ivy, so. I wouldn't take Murray if I were the Pistons, but it, would you take Math uh, Matherin or would you take Sharp if you're the Pistons at five? In that case, I would take Sharp because yeah, I think because I think the Pistons are going to hopefully resist channeling the line of trying to be too good too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they have cap space, and we'll get to it when you talk about the Pistons, but. If a, if a guy like, if Ivy is gone, and I agree with you, like Keegan Murray, I think he'll be perfectly fine. But I don't know if he's going to be like, oh, we have Keegan Murray. You know, like, I don't think he's going to raise your floor to what you ideally want it to be. And if Shaden Sharp is anything and they're in Detroit, he would have the potential to develop because Kate yeah. Cunningham isn't a chucker. Sadiq right. Bay isn't a chucker. Like right. they can work him in and work with that athleticism. He would be a perfect, you know, what shoot for the ceiling if this guy is it two years from now. Now we have we have three guys that are just, you know, we can count on. Right. And and I agree with that hundred percent because the Pistons tanked so that they could get a guy 
that you're shooting for the stars. So why would you take a guy? Oh, I mean, so if there's a potential that there's a guy at five that is shooting for the stars, just take him. Okay, just take him and don't think about it because you're going to be bad next year anyway. So it's not, and hopefully maybe you can get uh, Victor Wasabi. <laughs> the French guy. I know. I heard it twice just before we came on. I was listening to something and I'm like, I was going to write it down, but I'm like, oh no, I'll remember it. And now I'm like, I just, you're right, Victor. Victor, I, I remember Wabanero, whatever. It's something weird like that. But the dude sounds literally amazing. I've done nothing. I've watched one clip and I'm like, this dude doesn't even seem real. But um, yeah, the, the, all these teams, because the one mock draft I looked at had Shaden Sharp falling to 10, but like all the teams before then, if you're not going to take a dude that you think could be, you know, that good, if you, again, like, any of these teams should just take them. But Correct. Yeah. So if, if it goes those, those four in, in the Pistons draft Murray, I'm going to be a little disappointed. So expect that on draft night, by the way, name be sad. I will probably do a reaction after the draft, but anyway, let's move on to number six. The Pacers take Benedict Matherin, according to this uh, pick, uh, who do you got six? Um, this is, this is where I have Chet going. Oh, interesting. Because, okay. Because I think, well, one, he's white, so he would fit in perfect with the Pacers. <laughs> like they need it; they need another white guy that they can count on. Uh, and I think they are likely to move Miles Turner relatively soon. But I think mm -hmm. you could—he would be a good guy to learn behind. They don't have again. This is my because I think they're going to trade Malcolm Brogdon too. You have Hal Burton, Buddy Heald. He's you know he's mainly just a shooter. This is a team where if Chet got to six and they got rid of. Um, Miles Turner, where you could be like, all right, we'll let him explore the studio a little bit and do a few more things. If you're going to unload some of these guys that are overpaid, like Brogdon and um, Miles Turner, TJ Warren, there seems to be nothing on him. Is he coming back or not? You know, right. with his injury. So I think this would be <laughs> in the top 10 minus the, the Blazers at seven, I think would be an amazing fit too, but the Blazers wouldn't take a guy, you know, a project like that. Right. So he's not um, going to fall to six but this is where i would put chet <laughs> okay gotcha i'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna put sharp here i like uh sharp with the, the pacer ne needs someone like that i think pairing him with halliburton is sort of like similar to pairing him with kate i think kate's a little better than that's probably biased though um but if if he's your your guy that you're growing um sh shade and sharp explosive potential shot creator that he could be. So I, I would go sharp here on my mock draft. Okay. Let's go to seven, seven. We have the blazers and they take Jeremy. So Sohan uh, out of Baylor six, nine forward. Uh, what do you think of that pick or who would you take at seven? So if the blazers aren't going to trade this pick, this is where they should take if Keegan Murray was still there. Cause he's a guy mm -hmm. that, Yes. would be solid if they're going to have to play a guy that he's not going to have to do too much. You know, he's amazing in transition. He was an efficient scorer. He was good off the ball, not a great playmaker, but if you're going to keep him with Dame Lillard, like he's a guy that he's a rookie, but probably wouldn't play like, um, you know, a raw rookie. He would have some ability to play right now. And if they're not going to trade for Jeremy Grant, you know, here's a guy that we can toss in and at least he's going to look competent day one. 
Yep, I, I agree with your list if that's the way it goes. Um, I will say that in my list, I would take math, uh, Mathrins here. Mathrins. Yeah, he, he'd be, if, if he falls that far, that's where he, well, if he falls that far, <laughs> I shouldn't say fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody, but he would be, he's another guy. But then again, you know, they already have, sounds like they're going to decide to overpay Anthony Simon. So. <laughs> I don't I don't like get that because he's only like okay so the part of the reason why and this is why I don't like McCollum and, and Lillard didn't work because they were too small and it's not like I think uh McCollum 6'2 for Anthony Simons is like 6'3 so are, is that the backcourt you're gonna die on a hill with it's like what are you really changing anything so I don't know that's silly to me I, I would agree. You just, and he doesn't play defense either. So, Hey, let's go to a non-defensive backcourt from a non-defensive <laughs> backcourt. Yeah. I, I don't get it either. That's, that's great. Um, okay. So if real quick uh, question blazers, if let's just say for the sake of argument that the Pistons wanted the seventh pick for Jeremy Grant, would you make that trade as the blazer, a blazer Portland trailblazers? Would you want more? Or do you think that would be fair or would you like a different player that might be available? So I would shoot for more if I was the Blazers, but if I have no traction and I'm really going to commit to the uh, Damian Lillard going forward, then I would give up seven, for, especially if none of, if the mock draft goes how you did, or even how I did, um, you know, if you, maybe if you could get, yeah, I would, I would give up seven because I don't think any of these guys minus shade and sharp who would, potentially be gone has any um like this guy is going to be a star (laughs) type of player and you're like jeremy grant's not a star either but if you're going to try to convince dame to finish his career there and you know have a solid player around him he come in day one you already know what jeremy grant is um and then you know they have other assets that they can move around and at least be competent next year yeah, I agree with you. I, I just don't know. I, I feel like as a Pistons fan, I, I might be a little biased, but my thing is like, if Keegan Murray ends up as good as Jeremy Grant does, aren't you counting that as a win at seven? Like, aren't you like, yeah, that was a great draft pick. Like, so why not get the for sure thing except instead of like we talked about before the mystery box, but that's just sort of the way I feel. Yeah. So. And if you're the, like, if you're the Pistons, if you got Matherin at five or Ivy at five or any, or Shade and Sharp at five, if you can um, uncork um, Jeremy Grant and pick up Keegan Murray at seven and get both of those guys and be like, all right, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I think if you're the Pistons, but I, I just worry the Pistons are going to get hot a little too soon with their, uh, <laughs> with trying to compete. No, I agree. I agree. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, okay, let's go to our eighth. Uh, here, the New Orleans Pelicans are picking Dyson, uh, Dyson Daniels uh, from the, uh, oh, he played in the G League last year, 6'7 guard. Uh, who do you got here? That's who I had. That's I, I had him at eight. So I yeah. think, you know, again, if they keep this pick, it's another guy that they need some guards. So, and he's a big guy, so. I should say a bigger guard wing player. Yeah. I like it too, because he he's, he's bigger. And if he's your, he, you know, he's playing alongside of McCollum that that can fit, that can work. Right. So it would be him. He probably won't start right away, but I'm thinking like in like two years, like him, McCollum, you have uh, Ingram and yeah. 400 pounds. Zion. 
Zion and uh, who's that one guy that's just a freak defender? They that um, uh, why can't I think of his name? Herb Jones, Herb Jones, oh, yeah. and then you have Herb Jones too. I, I like that could be a big lineup with McCollum on the floor. You can play big with McCollum on the floor. So yeah, I have I have Daniels here too. So let's go to nine. Nine on this mock draft has the San Antonio Spurs taking Shaden Sharp here. So Shaden fell to nine on their their draft board. Uh, who do you got nine? This is where I have the Spurs. I mean, should take Shaden Sharp if he's there. Taking yes. Johnny taking Johnny Davis. Davis, yeah, that's I just, funny. I just think he's the type of guy that has some upside that they would just work well with and he would coming from Wisconsin and having a non-creative offense and going to a team that has a non-creative offense. It just, I think it would, <laughs> you'd feel at home. He just, I don't know what it is. Just even watching him, you know, I'll watch some Wisconsin like that, that dude should play for this purse somehow. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. I have Davis going there. It seems like he could be really nice alongside of um, uh, Murray uh, and, um, like you said, he just kind of seems like a spur. Good score. Do you think he's going to work? Because it's funny. I, I was watching him in the tournament games and I was, I wasn't a hundred percent impressed with him, but I know that like college is hard when you're, when you're a shooter, just because it's like, you know, everything's congested. The rules are different. They can follow every play, all that stuff. So, I mean, like as a Wisconsin fan, do you think he's going to work in the NBA? See, I, Part of me thinks he has like such untapped upside that he's going to look stupid because Wisconsin plays, you know, like it's 1955, the way they play basketball. It's painful yeah. to watch at times. Right. So he is, is that the guy he is and he kind of looks slow or is that just because the Badgers were like, here you go, dude, we're just going to put some Ophi white guys around you, <laughs> you know, and nothing else and be like, Hey, go do it. And you know, those guys can space the floor, but none of them had quick triggers. So, um, it's, I'm not going to compare him to Dwayne Wade because Dwayne Wade showed flash. So did Johnny Davis. But, you know, like if you watch Dwayne Wade in college, minus a few games, you didn't think he would be Dwayne Wade that you saw in the NBA. So That's I don't right. know if it's the Wisconsin system that just made him look like average at times. Um, so he's he's really tough. He's one of those guys that I think when you get to this range, if you work him out and you see that something hidden in there that just didn't cut him out because of the college game. Maybe he has a lot more to him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I just, I only, I only seen a couple tournament games. I think it might've been the last two. And I was just like, I'm not really impressed with this guy, but it, it is hard because college is such a different sport. Um, I, I should say a different sport. It's it played so differently is uh, <laughs> what I meant. Uh, it's a different sport. What a dumb comment. That's why, that's why you guys tune in for that type of analysis right there. Oh my word. Okay. Let's go to the, the 10th pick. Uh, that'll be done by the Washington wizards. This is where this mock draft has Johnny Davis going to Washington to play alongside of Bradley Beal. Who do you got at 10? Um, Clint. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think they would take him. I had him 10th on my list. I didn't double check who had the 10th pick because now it's going to sound stupid, but I had Jalen Duran and he's just a giant center, like mm -hmm. awesome on defense, but they have uh, Porzingis now. So I doubt that they're going to play Porzingis at the, I guess he doesn't like to play center, but I feel that would be kind of wasted at the 10th pick. 
but just his incredible defense um, is why I had him at this spot. But yeah, if I guess the Wiz could take him, they do crazy things anyhow. But it would be kind of weird to have a guy who can't shoot great defensive center with Porzingis because Porzingis really can't play on the wing either. So yeah, the mock has- draft I used had Shaden Sharp falling to 10 and going here, which would be amazing for the Wizards as they trade Bradley Beal. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that would be another crazy one. Some of these guys fall to 10. So, yeah, um, man, that would be interesting. Uh, Sohan is who I have here, the six, nine forward. He's a defensive, um, really good defender, really good defender. Very, he could be elite, uh, at that position. It's his offensive game that needs a little work. Um, but he could play the four while Przingis plays the five. I think that could work out pretty, pretty good. And, um, given uh this this might be an interesting individual to go to the the spurs i, I was thinking like kind of the Kawhi model where he, you know he's going to be an elite defender and you just give him time to work on his offensive game but i'm i'm gonna go with uh sohan going to the the um wizards sure can't complain with that okay perfect <laughs> okay do you want to stop here at 10 then yeah, I only went through 10. Okay, then we're after, stopping after, at 10. Yeah. After that, I started getting through guys where I'm like, all right, well, anything I'm going to tell you, I'm just literally going to read it off of a page right now. <laughs> no, no, we'll just stop there. <laughs> yeah. No, Um. What, one guy I'm kind of interested to see where he goes is AJ uh, Griffin. A lot of um, people think that the uh, – uh, well, he 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 got off an injury and he's not as athletic as he was since he's gotten off that injury. So I wonder after a year – removed or two years removed from that injury if some of that athleticism will come back but he was one of the best three-point um shooters he you know percentage wise and he's six 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 eight somewhere in between there and i'm like if the pistons trade grant to the hornets that 13th pick will be used and i'm like ah, i might actually like them to take a shot at him or or Duran. Duran could be the other guy because they kind of need a big man. They, I mean, I like um, I like Isaiah Stewart, but uh, he's he's too small to be the big guy all the time. He's a situational big. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's. Uh, okay, so that was the mock draft, guys. Now we're gonna go into our wish lists for our particular teams. So Clint has been on the podcast before. He's a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. I am a Piston fan. So we're going to first start talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, talk a little bit about what he hopes they do this off season, sort of maybe like a dream, but not like too crazy. Unless if you like, this is my absolutely crazy scenario, but this is my realistic scenario. I'll take either one. So let me ask you, Clint, what are you hoping for the Bucks this off season? So I think, um, well, I'll give you my ideal offseason, which would be to somehow trade for Eric Gordon, which mm. you could do with like Grayson Hill, uh, Grayson Hill, Grayson Allen, George Hill, the 24th pick. I think they have one, uh, one of their G League guys that you could just guarantee to make the numbers match up. Um, you got to bring back Pat Connaughton because they can't replace him. Um, the fans would revolt if they didn't bring back Bobby Portis. Though, Correct. As much as I love Bobby Portis. Yeah, he's the situational player. So I hope right. that they don't terribly overplay, overpay Bobby Portis because the fans chant his name. Um, I would bring back Javon Carter and then actually play him opposed to George Hill. 
Wesley, Wesley Matthews, I would bring back. I wouldn't play him. Hopefully you don't have to play him as much. If you had Eric Gordon, you wouldn't have to. And then I would just pray to the basketball gods that PJ Tucker would be forgiving and come back for the taxpayer mid-level, which is like $6.2 million, which would be a pay cut. But um, we could chip in to pay him more if need be, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just be like, sorry, it's our owners. Just come back, PJ. Um, that would be ideal. PJ Tucker is not going to come back for less than what he made last year, but I think they, Eric Gordon, I think would be a perfect fit because he wouldn't be Grayson Allen (laughs) and he wouldn't be just, he can play defense. He played in that when he had Harden, he played in that switching system. He's got good size. He's just as good as a shooter. Um, and he's old, which the Bucks, you know, always keep old players. So I think that would give them more consistency against a team like Boston, you know, even Miami, which, you know, unless Miami does something crazy, I don't think they have much upside going forward. So I would probably trade the pick because I don't, I have a few guys I think the Bucks could take, but I don't think they will have the patience to do it. I think they're just going to, they can't trade it until the draft. So I think they'll just find a way to trade the pick. Yeah. It sounds like the Rockets only want a first round pick for Eric Gordon. So, you know, if, if, if you offer that plus the, the other guys um, that you mentioned, Hill, Allen, and um, who was there another one? Uh, just a G league just, player. It's like yeah. One of their Rajon Tucker. I think they brought up to give a non-guaranteed deal with, but I think his, I think they need his like one point, $4 million or whatever it is to make, make the numbers match perfectly. But. Yeah. That, that would be awesome. I think for the bucks, if they could get Eric Gordon, because then if something happens to Middleton again, your, your shooting isn't going to go because Gordon's really good at like playmaking. I don't want to say play like shot creating. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, he he's can like, get his. Yeah. Attack a close out. You know, if they right. the ball kicks to him, he can pump fake and put the ball on the floor and you don't have to worry if he's going right. to dribble it off his feet out of bounds four times a game. Yeah. Um, I will say that the one free agent that I was looking at, uh, there was a couple because I was like, okay, what is, what to me does the bucks need? So I hope you don't mind that I was playing along here. Um, one, one player, I just wonder what he would sign for is, uh, Ricky Rubio. So he's going to be a free agent. And one of the things that I thought that the bucks were missing is a guard that can play make like for others. Like I like Drew, I like Drew holiday, but he's kind of one, like he, he's kind of got tunnel vision a lot. You know, Grayson Allen is not that type of player. I think someone like Ricky Rubio, if he could, if he would be willing to sign the, the mid-level exception, you know, the mid-level veterans exception or whatever it's called. I wonder if he would do that to try to win a title. It really just depends on the uh, motivations of the people signing. So I'm kind of wondering what would you think of Rubio if he would be willing to sign that, do you, well, first of all, do you think he'd be willing to sign that? And if so, how would you feel about him being part of the box? Yeah. Because like I said, PJ Tucker is a pipe dream. Right. Um, If, if the owners are willing to spend the money and you're going to get Eric Gordon and you're going to spend that taxpayer mid-level Ricky Rubio, because they do need a guard like Javon Carter is fine. They probably should have played him against the, uh, Celtics just to pressure the ball. Um, right. But, you know, you do need more playmaking. And if he, if he's willing to take that to try to win, because his shooting is 
not great, but it's, it's better than it used to be. You know, he's not shooting 20% out there. So um, I would definitely target him. The only other free agent I had, like if they can't get Eric Gordon would be to try to convince Gary Harris to come for that mm. taxpayer mid level. Um, even if it's just a one plus one so that he can, you know, he'll get plenty of shots up <laughs> as the <laughs> shooting guard. Um, you know, I think he's a overall better player than Grayson Allen. Um, so besides you start getting down to the list of like Thaddeus Young and some of those minimum guys, you know, Gary Harris, Rubio are training for Eric Gordon, you know, two of those three would be, you know, ideal of building a, a better bench with more balance. Yeah. And I think that's what they sort of need. The other thing they kind of need, I feel like is another like forward, a wing player, which would be nice. So I was kind of thinking like, okay, what is, you know, because we, we talked about coming off the injury, what is TJ Warren worth? And I was wondering like, would he be willing to sign a one-on-one where it's a player option? If he has a good year, he can leave and then get his money back, but go play for a championship for 10 million. Um, so again, just because he, let's see here, he only got paid. He, he's at 11 five that he, he would have had or last year, I think. So would you, th- how would you feel about TJ Warren going to the box? Yeah, I would take TJ Warren too. If he's willing to take that, you know, one year, I think the bucks, you know, I think it's only like six and a half million. Cause they're so, okay. so like, I don't know if he has a better, bigger market than that. Um, but if you can convince one of these guys, like, Hey, we basically would have been in the NBA finals and could have won it had Chris Middleton not slipped on the floor, um, against the bulls, like he would play plenty and he would be, he would be ideal when you shift Giannis to the five, like there's another not small guy that you can put out there. So, but I don't know, like with his injury, what it looks like, what he's Mm -hmm. confident in, you know, I know Giannis has a good relationship with like Victor Oladipo, but. I think he likes Miami. So like, could you have Victor Oladipo? Would he come um, to be your third guard in that defensively that works? Yes. You know, like, again, his shot looked ungodly at times, (laughs) you know, against the Celtics. So again, like we talked about before, like, okay, yeah, we can play him, but I don't think anyone's going to be covering him. Um, So any of those guys are probably better than, you know, what they've had, but, I, I, I feel like someone would, whether it's the Pacers or someone else would give like TJ Warren a two for 30 with the second year being a player option, just to get him in the building and, you know, let him shoot a bunch. Yeah, no, I, I, that's probably, that's probably true. I, again, it just depends on what the player's motives are too, right? Like, Hey, let me, let me use this year to rehab my career and, and win a title and my, because even you can go somewhere and shoot a lot, but even if you go and win like a title, your, your value goes up just for the fact you win a title. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking for the bucks is a center. They need somebody to back up. Brooke Lopez in case Brooke Lopez gets injured again, because I think that's not something they can afford. So two options, uh, one on, on a very minimum is a free agent, which, uh, he played for the heat last year. Uh, Dwayne Dedman. He's a, he's almost a 40% three point shooter. And I thought that he would be an interesting signing for the bucks as sort of a backup. And then, um, I wonder if they could get Mo Bamba for that six mil, 
that six mil because he would be kind of like a really good stretch five for them, you know, uh, to replace uh, Brooke Lopez if anything should happen to him. Yeah, I've, I've thought for years that Dwayne Dedwin would somehow end up with the Bucks just because. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not as good as Brooke Lopez, but he shoots and he can play some defense. Um, but Mo Bamba was another one. I think we talked about it at the trade deadline if they could get Bamba and just see what you have. And this would be as good a time as any because Brooke Lopez is up after this year. And I don't know. Uh, I mean, he can sign an extension, but I don't know if you want to go more than a year or two on a guy that had a second back surgery and he Correct. looked fine when he came back. But again, Brooke Lopez is, he's not going to play a ton. Like I always think of, you know, a lot of Bucks fans are like, you know, I got how many texts like, Oh, the Bucks would have just repeated had they made it to the finals. And I don't know that Brooke Lopez is playing more than 10 or 15 minutes in that <laughs> that Warriors series. Right, right. They, they don't seem to want to just toss it down to Brooke Lopez in the post. And in fairness to not doing that when play when T like that we should give it to Brooke Lopez. I'm like, he never passes it out of the post. He's like a black hole. Once he gets the ball in the post, it's not coming back out. Right. So um Bomba would be great to finally get someone that's young and be like, let's see what you can do this year. And if Brooke Lopez is, we're going to trade him next year or let him go and, you know, pay Bombo a little bit more than a few million dollars a year to be here. Yeah. He, he's a guy that should consider that unless some team is going to throw him a, you know, a pants think, load of money, but I don't yeah. think he's ready for that in his career yet. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree with that. Uh, anything else with the bucks? No. I mean, he, the only guy I came up with was like some shooter, Jake LaRiva had never even seen the good play, but he was known as a good shooter and he tested with good athleticism. And all the report was that he would be a perfect role player that is fine being that player. So you're like, Hey, a six, eight guy that can shoot fine. But you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I don't know. Like they, they should trade their first pick. That's the way I feel. It's like, because anyone you get, they got to have time to grow if they're, you're being picked at 24 and I don't know, people value the pick over the player that you might draft. Yeah. And this is where I, especially with the box, like my complaint over the years is like, so the Raptors will draft or the heat, like draft these guys and they just poof, they turn them into something useful Mike Boonholzer refuses to play like Dante DiVincenzo was the only guy like he ever really like, let's give this dude a chance and play. And all the other guys you are like, yes, like Jordan Wara, the dudes, they never give these young guys a shot to yeah. do more than just a couple minutes. And you're like, okay, if you're not going to give him a shot, then trade the pick because right. otherwise he's just going to sit on the bench and you're like, Hey, our 24th pick who looked awesome in stretches is like, Hey, he's never going to get out there because George Hill has to go play, you know, 12 minutes. That is the most annoying thing about some of these NBA coaches, even with like the Pistons, Dwayne Casey does the same thing, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. Like, I, I just don't like, and it's different because the P Pistons are trying to find these young players and grow, grow them. So it's a different type of annoyance than like, Hey, we're trying to win a championship and we need some of these young guys to step up and they're never going to step up if you don't give them some time on the court. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. If you're not going to play them, then just trade the pick and, and get somebody you think you're going to, pet, you know, that will be useful in, 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 in during and in, in the playoffs in the championship run. 
Yeah, cause I was just talking about with this someone. I'm like, if the Bucks hired instead of Mike Budenholzer, which hey, he won me a title, but I'm going to be ungrateful now. If the Bucks had Eric Spolstra or Nick Nurse, how many titles do they have the last four years? Oh yeah. I mean, they probably would have won it in 19 because they, they should have beat the Raptors. And then that Warriors team was, you know, the bubble team, you know, the bubble, whatever the bubble is the bubble. I don't even know what would have happened, but like they're back in the finals this year. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those, like, I'll take the one ring and I'll be happy. But now I'm like the four years, if they had a, a top five coach in this league, Quinn Snyder, you know, any of those guys, like, I think they have at least one more. No, I agree. And and that's when, when we, uh, we did the podcast about the, uh, uh, the championship after they won the championship, the Milwaukee Bucks, And what it was kind of like, I think we talked about it being like bittersweet, like, because you, you kind of wanted, you wanted a different coach besides Bud, because you, you see the flaws and they're very, very transparent, but um, you're also like, Hey, I'll, I want the title more than that. That's what you play for. Right. So it's kind of, he got the like title, so you can't just can the guy, but right. You know, right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if like there, there's an early exit next year, if it's like in the second round or whatever, if, if they'd be willing to stick with him another year, but it's almost like after you win a title, unless of course you're the Lakers, it's, it's like you get a couple of years before you, you can the guy. So, yeah. well, yeah, well, I if you trade for Russell Westbrook, just fired the coach right away. Yeah, yeah, like that was his fault. Oh, just real quick, another guy that would be interesting, I think, on the the box is um, Nicholas Batoon. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, he would, but I yeah. think he loves LA. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I think that that that's so true, and I think he'll stay there. But like, I could see him. He he would be really perfect at when they're playing small ball. He's a really good defender. He moves the ball really well, and he's a good spot up shooter. So. Um, that's kind of who you need with Giannis. Um, okay. Anything else on the bucks? Let's talk about Marvin Bagley. Let's do that. Well, that's <laughs> the first thing I'll say, uh, for my wish list for the Pistons. And, uh, I hope that they kind of tank one more year and then they kind of, and I don't, I think Dwayne Casey's a good coach with a veteran team. I just don't think he's that good of a coach when he has young players. And there was this like, you know, I don't know if you remember, but like, I think it was three years ago, they drafted uh, Cinco Dubuya and that guy, he scored 40 points in one NBA game, but he didn't get a lot of shots during the NBA games. And that's something that annoys me about him. He doesn't have a long enough leash for younger players to let them grow on the NBA court. So that's, that's like one of my wish lists, I guess, throughout this season. This is not an off season wish list, but to get to this off season, uh, number one, I ho- hope they do trade Jeremy Grant. Uh, I, I love, I like what Jeremy Grant did for the Pistons, but he's not on the same timetable as Cade. His his um, trade value to me will probably never be higher than it is right now. So trade him. If I'm aiming for the sky, I think you know, I I would I would love that seventh pick from the Trailblazers, and then I draft at five. Shade and Sharp, and I think at at uh, at seven I would take um, Matherin. I would double up on wings, and then you would have Cade, Sharp, Matherin, and Sadiq Bay, and you can play a little bit of small ball. Um, that's sort of where I'm leaning towards that. Um, but if they trade 
a more realistic trade, like the one that was suggested with the Hornets, where they trade um, Jeremy Grant for, I think it's 13 and Gordon Hayward. You'd have to take that contract. You can obviously flip Gordon Hayward eventually. So it's not that big of a deal. And it's, it's good to have like a veteran player on the team, you know, to help the young guys. Uh, I would like that Duran, the, the big guy, the six eleven guy, I would like him on the, the Pistons. So that that's sort of my draft wish list. Okay. So that that's out of the way. Want Jeremy Grant gone. That's my wish list for the uh, draft. I do wish to get Ivy. I'm kind of, I was big on sharp at first, but I think if Ivy falls to them, that's who I'd really want. Um, if they were able to draft someone. Would you, I just heard this when the pod I was listening to, would you trade Jeremy Grant for the right to pay DeAndre Ayton his max contract? I don't want any, that's my another wish list. Nothing to do with DeAndre Ayton. I, this, this fascination. Okay. Centers. Unless if you have a top three center in the NBA, you should not be paying your center a lot of money. Max contract is, is more or less of what I'm saying. Like uh, Aiton is not a top three center. There's Bam, that's the old, Bam, uh, Jokic, and Embiid. Outside of those three, I'm not paying centers because they can't stay on the court for the majority uh, of the time on the playoffs. And if you, it's funny because I like I hear Pistons fans throwing these numbers out there for Aiton, like, oh, look at how good he was on the Suns. It's like you realize he has probably the best point guard of this generation. Like, I mean, Curry's probably the best point guard, but like facilitating point guard, like I think Chris Paul is the best at it. If you would go look at DeAndre Jordan's stats when he was a Clipper. <laughs> you're probably convinced yourself that DeAndre Jordan's a max guy too. And he wasn't right. So I don't want Aiden. Good. I, I would totally agree. That was one of those where I was like, Oh, that's one. If the Pistons do it, you're like, okay, sure. Aiden is young, but how much better are you with DeAndre Aiden? Like, like you said, I think he's a perfectly fine player, mm-hmm. but he's not, again, I don't think he's going to be the second best player on your team that's going to win a finals and as we just talked about if you're in the finals is DeAndre Ayton cruising around out there trying to cover Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and you're like oh this is perfectly fine we don't have to make a substitution so I would agree you're better off just you know having someone like Mo Bamba than paying even Rudy Gobert who's amazing defensively but again you're paying 30 something million dollars for the guy that you're like well he's useless in some of these matchups or he's so pathetic on offense. At least Aiton has some offense, but I, I would agree. I'm glad. Um, but that's one of the worries I have is one of the moves where the Pistons talked themselves into, well, we have the cap space and he's young. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know why the Pistons, like I, a lot of Pistons fans are hoping to that. And I listened to a podcast um, and I really like the host of it. I lock on Pistons. He's, you know, he's fun to listen to, but he's big on getting eight. And I'm just like, don't do it, man. Don't, don't fall for it. This is the worst thing you can do. It, it was the same when they convinced themselves that they should be paying Andre Drummond max money. It's like, no, Aiton was great because of the situation he was in. And he had one of the best point guards. As much as I love Cade, I don't think Cade's going to bring that, that, guy out of eight in the same way Chris Paul does you know what I'm saying 
Um, I, I actually kind of want Mo Bamba. I want them to take a chance at Mo Bamba. I want them to re-sign Bagley as well. Um, because what I want them to do is just keep striking the iron, like just get all these young players and just see what hits, you know? Um, so I want them to take a chance on Mo Bamba. I want them to re-sign Bagley. And then I want Cameron Johnson from, he's a free agent from the Suns. I think that's sort of my wish list, and I don't think it goes any further than that. I don't want Brunson, okay? I don't want him. Another free agent Pistons fans are talking about. He's six foot. He's a good six man, but we're not in the we're not in the position as the Pistons to be drafting six men. We're not like we, we shouldn't be worried about Colin Sexton. Don't want him. He's a six man. We're not in a position to be um, signing six men to to max money or a lot of money. I want. I just want a bunch of young players that you can put around Cade and get as much, um, like give them as much time to grow on this team and see what works. That's what I want. So that's sort of my wish list. Yeah. I, and I would agree. Like Bamba, I would try to, because they have a bunch of cap space this year and then more mm-hmm. next year. Yep. I would try to get Bamba, even if it's just a, a one or two year with a player right. option or something, just pay him a buttload of money this year to see, right. to see what you have. And if you don't like it, you're gone. You keep your cap space. Same with, you know, any of those guys, just um, what about miles bridges? I heard something about like if the Hornets might not want to pay miles bridges, they, his alleged might get a max. I don't want bridges again. So like, I try to think of like, okay, how many people, when we're talking about these players that you're, you're talking about max money, you got to ask yourself, are they, winning players. Miles Bridges is not, I'm not saying that he, he's a good player. I like him. He's a, he's a solid defender, but like he, he didn't help the, the Hornets get to the playoffs. Right. I mean, uh, not to the playoffs, but the, uh, they got to play again. Right. So, (laughs) so I mean, like, so I I don't want to pay someone max money like that. I just, I'd rather, like you said, just like Mobamba last year, uh, let's see his, his money was 6 million. So if you were like, Hey, Mobamba, we're going to offer you a $13 million contract for two years, player option on the second year or whatever, or team option or whatever it is. That's the way I'd rather do it. Like team option, 13 million this year, 13 million next year. Like, you know, that's a bunch of money. That's double what he made last year. I don't know if anyone will offer more than that for him, but even so like 15 million. Sure. Why not? I'd rather pay two centers, the 30 million that I'd pay one center because as long as they're two different types of centers. So, you know, you can be flexible with your roster. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about bridges going to um, Detroit? Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it either. I like Miles Bridges, but I think he is the um, – he should be on a good team. <laughs> That's fair. Because uh, I think he would fit in with a good team. And, yeah. you know, you run into the danger of too many young guys that need the ball, and then you have the fans that would turn on Miles Bridges because you're paying him 20 million dollars a year, and he's averaging 14 points because – you know, you have the, the guys you drafted and you have Cade and you're like, everyone's, you know, sharing the ball and stuff. And then it turns into, I can't believe we're paying this guy, you know, that much money. So what you were saying is along the road, I would go is just punt it for one more year or Mm -hmm. not punt it, but just let the young guys go figure out if Cade is going to be, if he's going to take that next step where we can be like, okay, this is going to be our 
ball handler of the future or our majority of our playmaking is going to come from Cade or do we need to, you know, is it too much for him still supplement it? Uh, because if you're going to go get Aiton or you're going to go get Bridges and you're going to start paying these guys, then you only got two years before Cade's going to need that extension. Yeah. And then you got to, you're going to have two Sadiq base going to come up then. And you're like, all right, are we going to pay these three $90 million a year yeah. for 40 something wins, you know, you know, at a high side, if they all, you know, come together. So I would kick it another year of let's bring in young guys, roll it out. If you, if you exceed expectations, because these guys grow awesome. Yes. If it, if it turns into 25, 30 wins. All right. Well, maybe we see some potential with who they draft at five or if they trade for seven. Right. Yeah. And, and bridges shot three, three point percentage last year was point. 33%, I mean, so I don't, I don't like, that's the other thing. The lot of the lines, the Pistons, uh, part of their problem last year was their three point. They were like ranked like 28th and three points or something like that. They were in the bottom, bottom of the league with three points. So uh, percentage. So I just, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do bridges. I wouldn't do eight. And I, I take shots and dartboard type shots and then, like, if even if you make that trade, whether it's for seven or thirteen, and you get um, either Matherin or um, uh, Duran, what you can do is, like, if you you get Hayward, have like maybe two veterans on the team. But the other thing I would do is with Dwayne Casey, take away any veteran that he might play over any of the young guys. Honestly, like Corey Joseph was out there in crunch time for the Pistons and that guy's like 35 years old. And it's like, you, you need to let your young guys grow in these moments. So I didn't understand that what Dwayne was doing, but he loves his veterans. I get it. But take away those veterans, take them away and make that dude play the young players. So, yeah, the, the worst thing I saw for the Pistons to do, and I started laughing when I heard it was that they were interested in Dennis Schroeder. And I was like, Lord almighty, just drop a bomb on your team then. Yeah. Why would they be interested in him? Just as another guard, you know, you got to replace Corey Joseph with, you know, a worse version of Corey Joseph. So, <laughs> right. Oh man. Don't even talk like that. I don't even want to hear it. Those are the things that, you know, you don't know if it's just the agent throwing stuff out there, but you know, used to be in that position when the bucks weren't good when you hear stuff like that you're like why are we trading for steven jackson i have right. no idea but all right here we go so i just hope they don't do the uh well you know for the sake of they're in the bucks division i hope they do <laughs> this thing they can think of but outside of that as you know you're a fan of you just hope they don't do the let's let's win now you know yeah. because you have Dwayne casey because you know, they've had trouble getting fans in the arena, like, oh, DeAndre Ayton, that might sell some tickets. And you're like, all right, well, that's also selling your future. Um, Correct. Correct. I agree 100% with that. I just, I think it's so silly. So silly. And as far as a backup guard, I think if they draft Ivy or um, Sharp, you, you have Killian, Killian, Cade, and the guard you draft. Right. So you don't real like you can go out and free agency and get a backup guard, but I don't know. Like, again, I'd rather see those guys grow and develop versus going out and getting, you know, Dennis Schroeder or Rubio or someone like that, you know? Um, but that's how For I sure. feel. Okay. 
Okay, man. Well, that's it. Anything else? Um, only like a couple more weeks until the 49ers cut Jimmy Garoppolo because they can't trade him. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's something we will be starting to do probably in towards the end of the July. Me and Eric uh, have been posting podcasts, a uh, podcast of the NFL. Uh, we've been doing stock up and stock down our stock hold on uh, most what we want to do every division. We got, I think halfway done. So we're going to, we're going to get on that here. And then we're, we're going to have like we did last year, I'll have you on for the, the NFC West, but we're, we're going to do the, the, you know, the seven questions or whatever it was to season preview for each division. So I'll have you on for that. And then you can complain more about Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> no. That'd be great. Uh, well, thanks Clint. Thanks for your time. No problem. It's fun. Yeah. And for everybody else, thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you haven't yet, please um, check out our YouTube channel where I post clips of the podcast. Um, go ahead and subscribe to that. Like the videos when you watch them. And also follow me on Instagram at nuttybuddy underscore sports. That's when I show I drop podcasts. So thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed and we'll talk to you all soon.